0: This is Eric Elliott with the Refocused Nutrition Podcast. We are back again with another week of the podcast. This week we have a very special guest. Uh, we have five-time CrossFit Games athlete and eighth fittest man on earth uh, from 2018, Noah Olson. Uh, Noah also won the 2016 CrossFit Open as the fittest man on earth uh, during that initial stage of competition um this year he missed out very shortly on qualifying for the games uh and just missed out on one of the one of the tougher workouts which was 19.1 for him uh just due to it not being a skill for him so uh he's going to have to go to a couple of different sanctionals to figure out if he can get to the CrossFit Games this year and how he's going to do that uh, via the sanctional route. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about uh, his journey into the CrossFit Games. And more than that, we talk about his mindset on life, which is that happy but hungry mantra that he shares a lot and I share a lot as well. And it's the idea of just being happy with where you are. But also being hungry for more than more than you can achieve and more than you have right now. So be sure to listen to this podcast, guys. Give it a reading and a review. Um, share it with some friends. If you enjoyed the podcast, guys, take a screenshot. Put it in your Instagram story and tag me at Elliot And tag Noah as well. And help share that with some more friends so that we can get more people listening to this. And we can help more people who are looking to get uh, information and also... Just like nice storylines when it comes to the fitness and nutrition space in CrossFit and also just fitness. Um, So, guys, that's everything from me. I'll leave it off to Noah for this week. Take care, guys. And we're back, guys, with Noah Olson. Uh, Noah Olson, I don't really think, needs much of an introduction. Uh, He is a CrossFit athlete former CrossFit Games athlete, he's still working on his next trip back for the 2019 Games, um, which uh, he just came up very, very short at the Open this year. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that, but Noah, how many times have you been to the Games now? I know you've won the Open as well, so tell me a little bit, like in a Cliff Notes version of the accolades when it comes to your professional career as a CrossFitter.
1: Let's do it. Happy to be here chatting with you, my man. I have competed at the CrossFit Games for the last five years in a row, looking to make this year number six. You are correct, I did win the Open back in the day, 2016. Unfortunately, it didn't matter as much then as it does now, but all good. We're moving onward and upward, and hopefully I'll earn that qualifying spot at the end of this month out in Italy.
0: Yeah, so like I know you've mentioned on your channel um, where you're going or where you're thinking of going uh, in regards to your sanctionals coming up, um, because that is you know that's the way that you're going to have to get into the games this year. Um, With that being said, chasing
1: down that spot
0: exactly. With that being said, um, take me through the open this year because I know it for for four of the five workouts it was basically not much different than a regular open, if you will. Um, but for that one workout where it kind of screwed those vertically challenged people, if you will, um, it didn't go the best uh, that you needed, and you had a lower place, and you fought uphill. And that, that first workout was 19.1 where you didn't score as great, um, and you had to fight for four more weeks, and you, and you, at the end you didn't make up enough ground to qualify. But yeah, take me through that. How do you even go through four more weeks of really hard workouts and and with a a prayer of making it and qualifying?
1: There definitely was that. There was still the potential and promise that, all right, if I really dig in here, I can climb back up to where I need to be. And I truly believe that I could do it all the way up until after that fourth week was kind of when I realized, all right, this is probably not going to happen, but all the way through 19.4, I thought if I crushed it for the next three weeks, which I feel like I did, I took a 30th and 8th and a third-place finish overall in the world on point two, point three, and point four. And after point four, I refreshed the leaderboard over and over again and thinking that a third-place finish was going to jump me way up close, at least close to where I needed to be for that top 20. And as I refreshed it more and more, I saw my name not necessarily moving up as high as I had hoped, and I think that I had gotten all the way up into like somewhere in the 50s or the sixties place range, but realized that there was still about a 400 point gap that I was going to need to make up on that final week, which wasn't really feasible at that point in time. And so that was tough to process and try to give it everything that I had on that last week, knowing that it wasn't really going to make a difference. It was kind of a futile attempt at that point. But I did enjoy a little bit of that adversity and trying to fight for that comeback over the four weeks prior.
0: How do you stay mentally tough during that? I know for, for most CrossFitters, I will say, like the people who aren't going to try and qualify for the Games, you know, those four other days or even the five other days of the week when they're not doing an open workout, it's still training for them. But it's not like... The Open is kind of their, is their big thing, but for you, you have to still train. You still have to try to work on getting better at the sport within that time period. How do you not let those, like that mental side of it of, you know, leaderboard watching and constantly and worrying about the next workout, how do you let that not affect your, or how do you not let that affect your training so that you can still get better at it and still kind of be you?
1: Yeah, I think it was a little different this year for everybody, admittedly, because, the Open mattered a lot more this year than it had in the past. So I think you saw a lot of other high-level games athletes who used to kind of just walk their way through the Open to just earn that spot to regionals, putting a lot more energy and effort and doing these workouts two or three times. So even though we are still kind of training through the Open to prepare for a sanctional or the games, there was still a lot of energy and effort that went into all these Open workouts from all of those top level guys. So that was kind of different than in years past where, like I said, you could just kind of cruise through and all you had to do was finish top 40 in your region. And that could have ended up being thousands in the world and you still get a spot to regionals mm-hmm. and were able to qualify for the game. So um, I think trying to put enough focus on each individual workout to, I, I know for me, I was doing them on Friday training a full day on Saturday, resting on Sunday, and taking another crack at it on Monday. Um, But then still having some quality training Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday was a delicate balance, but a necessary one. So I feel like I came out of the Open and gave every workout my best effort, but I don't feel like it was five weeks of like totally interrupted training. I feel like we still worked on some priority stuff, and I feel like I definitely even did get better throughout the Open. I was on a pretty hot training streak there my snatch felt amazing my clean was feeling amazing and I think picking little things to focus on throughout the open and kind of keep consistent was helpful
0: yeah I think that's definitely true too um when it comes to when it comes to who you are I know like for someone who's a, a fan of the sport they might have watched and followed a lot of your content for years and you know might have a better understanding of where Noel Olson came from but for those who didn't um where did you come from how did you get into the sport and like was it simply just you know stumbling upon crossfit and in a random gym and and falling in love with it or how did you get into the sport where you you went from being you know an early early introductory to the court to the methodology to the sport to you know a five-time games athlete how do you take through that
1: yeah thank you for the support over the years and following my journey And anybody else out there that has, I really appreciate it. It means a lot, I think, more than other people think. Because if, uh, as cliche as it sounds, if we didn't have a fan base and we didn't have people following us, we wouldn't be able to have the sponsors and train full time and the sport wouldn't be as exciting. So Mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. Um, But it all kind of started back in the day. I was uh, a little bit more focused on the aesthetic side of things and was working out just to get jacked. and kind of found CrossFit for that reason. There was a a jacked dude named Guido Trinidad that I wanted to look just like. And then that transformed into eventually wanting to more so perform like him. And now over the years, as I've developed as a person, I want to be as good of a person as Guido is. And that was kind of how it all began. Um, I walked into his CrossFit gym, Peak 360, about 10 years ago and got my butt kicked by a workout. And... He kind of mentored me through being able to start being a competitor in the sport, and I did my first Open in 2011, didn't qualify for regionals, finally made it to regionals in 2012, but didn't qualify for the games until 2014, so it's been a journey of really clawing my way to finally make it into one of those qualifying game spots, and Now that I finally have, it's been a mission to kind of always take it up a level. And now my goal has been to try to be the fittest man on earth and win the CrossFit game. So still chasing that one down, haven't achieved that yet, even though I've had some amazing experiences and achieved some other awesome stuff. In the meantime, I still got my eyes on the prize of trying to be the number one best in the world at our sport of CrossFit here.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's a long journey to try and make. Um, like you've been in the sport for you know six or seven years professionally, um, at least pushing at the regional level. One story yeah. I, I heard on the the CrossFit podcast, which was really really interesting, um, was in two thousand eleven. You actually told Dave at regionals that you were going to be there the next year, and you were saying that from a spectators and um, volunteers perspective. So if you can kind of recant that story for for my listeners here
1: yeah that's always a fun one to look back on even back before CrossFit had its big social media following everybody kind of knew who Dave Castro was and I spotted him in the stands at regionals in 2011 when I was actually volunteering like helping move equipment on and off the floor and strongly desiring to be out there as a competitor the next year and Decided to just throw that out there in the universe. I happened to be sitting next to him and I worked my way down in the stands until I was sitting right right next to him and said, Hey man, I I know you don't know me, but I'm volunteering this year and it's my goal and I'm gonna make it happen. I just wanted to tell you that next year you'll see me out there on the floor competing. And sure enough in two thousand twelve when I had earned that spot to compete at Regionals, I bumped into him in the kind of vendor village area and decided to go out there on a whim again and said, Hey, I'm sure that you don't remember me. Cause it was a very brief conversation that we had a year ago, almost today that I told you I'd be out here competing. And I kind of pulled the competitor shirt off my chest and said, I did it. I just wanted to let you know that I was a man of my word. And he loved that. And he said he did remember it. And he brought his buddy, Savon over to film a little piece on that story and, Yeah, that's a fun one, like I said, to look back on, and um, I think that there is something powerful in putting an intention out there in the universe, and not only does that hold you more accountable to achieve that, but I think that it allows a lot of factors to start to add up and push you in that direction, so I'm glad that I did it, and uh, I told him that I was going to kind of continue the story and be out there at the games in, in future years, which I was also able to achieve and reflect on him with, so... It's been a fun one, and it's not quite over yet. So, I guess I owe him uh, a promise to win the games one day, which I haven't made yet. And maybe that's why I haven't been able to pull it off.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing story, and I'm sure there's so many people that tell Dave that all the time. I'm like, I, I, the amount of times that he's probably heard that from someone is just like, oh, okay, yeah, like of, of course you are. I'll see you next year, kind of thing. Um, but where did that confidence come from? And and not to pick at it but you know a lot of the time when when people look you up as an athlete there's been the idea that Noah's also cocky too so how do you walk that line or do you even try to walk that line
1: yeah i think that when i first started it didn't even feel like a confidence or a cocky thing at that point in time it was kind of like that just it is what it is like i was working toward that goal and i'd come so close to making it in 2011 that there was no doubt in my mind that the next year I was going to be out there as a competitor. So I was kind of just speaking what felt to me like the truth. And uh, it didn't feel like that cocky thing. I don't think that came about until the, the future years in like 2013, 14, when I finally did make the games and I kind of was on that big stage and I had a lot more eyes on me that I felt like, okay, if I want to believe in myself, then I need to, I need to, to walk the walk in, or I'm sorry, I need to talk the talk in order to walk the walk. And I think I was in that position in 2014. I held onto that first place position for a little while throughout the games. And I thought, Whoa, this is not what I was expecting it to be. And I think I need to believe in myself and I need to, again, try to almost maybe talk it into existence. And I think it was maybe misinterpreted the first couple of years, but I definitely feel like I've been able to rope that in and, maybe back up a little bit of that talk with my performances. And I've been at the games for five years. You know, it wasn't a a fluke of a thing. And I think people have come to respect what I've done over the course of my CrossFit career and the person that I've become. And I definitely feel like I enjoy who I am now a lot more than who I was and who I was figuring out, who I wanted to be over those first few years of competing in the games. And I think it's almost been fun to to have people be able to follow on social media and kind of watch me develop as just this kid into the sport as now, I don't know if I would call myself uh, a man necessarily. There's definitely <laughs> man-like qualities, but I like to maintain a lot of my my uh, childish perspective on life and the way that I approach things, even though over the past five years of competing and kind of being on that platform and having a lot of my life portrayed on social media. Um, I, I definitely enjoy the way that I've developed and that people have kind of seen me develop over the years and I love who I am now and the way that I would say that people have helped me get there. You know, I've been shaped by the CrossFit community and the amazing relationships that I've developed and the hardships that I've been through and the adversity and kind of pushing through it and working hard to achieve a goal has all turned me into who I am now. And I'm sure I'll continue to be shaped by our community and whatever I end up going through in this journey of CrossFit.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely right. Like, even from from an outsider's perspective, you can see how, I don't want to say you've changed, but I think you have a better self-understanding of who you are. Um, at, at least that's the message you, you put out to the public anyways. Um, on that podcast, you mentioned, like, you, when you first started, you kind of wanted – you kind of wanted to fit in and be cool, um, and because you weren't sure exactly who you were. How has that changed? That that self definition <clears throat> changed over your five years of competing? If it has at all, or have you just become more of what, more aware of what you stand for and your values as a as an, a competitor, but also as an individual within the sport?
1: I think it's been a little bit of both, for sure. I've developed more of my my ideals and who I am as a person over the past even even couple years like there have been a lot of people that have been very influential in my life and have shaped the way that I not just want to be portrayed but I want to truly be as a person and so I think that's been a a journey that's still evolving I feel like I'm still learning who I am even more as a person but I have a, a more solid foundation now than I did back in the day and Um, a lot of that has been shaped by what I've gone through as an athlete. And, um, I, I think I I just rambled a little bit and kind (laughs) of went off and I, uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if I answered your question specifically, but, um, I think that there's definitely still a lot of room to grow as I've continued to
0: become who I am. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Like a wise man once told me, like, if you, if you haven't changed, significantly over the last five to ten years, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, like most of us over that period of time are going to change in some way, shape or form, right? Um, so, when it came to CrossFit and, and your early roots, what were you good at initially and what were, like, what were your biggest weaknesses? Like, were you a gymnastics ninja and a, the weightlifting was your area of opportunity or what, what were the big things you had to focus on initially?
1: A little bit. I would say probably almost hit the nail on the head with that one. When I first came into CrossFit, I had a a decent aerobic base. I had played uh, water polo and lacrosse and a lot of these sports where you're running up and down the field or swimming back and forth in the pool, but not a whole lot of like lifting and moving other objects. So I was able to pick up on some of the gymnastics stuff relatively quickly. And I think that was just luck and genetics. And had almost never had any exposure to a barbell. So that took me the longest amount of time to develop and was probably the most difficult. But it was probably the most rewarding as well, you know, to take something and start from scratch and be able to check these PR goals off the list and still have room to grow. And still 10 years down the road, be able to change little technical things in my snatch and have them pay off big time is been pretty cool and rewarding and, and I think that it's kind of a testament to the way we walk through a lot of things in life right like if it's easy and you pick it up right away and you get something handed to you it, it doesn't yeah sure it's cool and fun and nice but the things that you really have to work toward and the things that you go through that are difficult and you overcome this adversity they're almost even more rewarding so I'm, I'm still, still developing all those skills but the gymnastics and skill-based components I think come a little bit more naturally and the barbell stuff even still is very difficult for me but I, I love to tie them all together and have these awesome performances in unexpected events out there on the floor.
0: Yeah for sure and I think like like you said what, you're, what you what you'd basically describe was that difference between a growth and a fixed mindset for a lot of people who are, um, are figuring out what they're good at in life and what they're not. When it comes to how you came into the sport, and you know that's seven years is a long time, and that's it's a lot of t- long time for paradigm shifts within even nutrition as well. So like, that's one of my roles as a nutrition coach is helping people, helping educate people on the right types of food, whether that's for performance, aesthetics, or anything in between. Whoop. How does that change for you over the years? Because I know for you, it's. I mean, you've you've taken on different body types over those years. Like I know you've yeah you've you've competed at as high as close to two hundred pounds, um, and then I know last year you mentioned on that podcast you were down to, to around one eighty five ish. Tell me a little bit about your nutrition changes over those years and why, I guess the differences in almost fifteen pounds of of weight, right? Because I know I know the differences of what that could make. But uh, maybe someone who's not as competitive, following CrossFit, might not know the differences.
1: I appreciate that you did your research. You know all those stats, but for sure they've uh, they've gone up and down as I've figured out like what works for me and what doesn't. And there is still even some experimentation there where I had room to say, all right, you know what, I I, I am tweaking on my eating now, and I think if I take it in one direction and have my macros fit a certain mold, I could get myself up into that. 200 pound range and I tried it out and I thought maybe that would help me crush some barbell stuff and it did to a certain extent but I think at the expense maybe of uh, feeling a little bit heavy on some running and gymnastics events so it was a, a test and I analyzed some of the results from it and decided to try to dial it in in a different way and try to find that middle ground between all right adding those 10 or 15 extra pounds didn't necessarily I wasn't PRing everything every day and it was at the expense of not feeling great on some other stuff. So let's dial it back and find a body weight where I can still move the barbell, but also feel really comfortable with that running and gymnastics and try to be, I mean, that's kind of an ideal CrossFit uh, body type and skill set, right? Where you can still move heavy weight and run quickly and for long distances and perform all these high skill stuff. So. I feel like I've been able to figure it out and dial it in with the help of some um, nutrition coaches. I work with Kate, who is a coach on the method nutrition, and she's helped me figure out what I need to be eating in order to find that body weight where I am comfortable. I have enough energy to go in and hit those three, three hour sessions a day and be able to move big weight, but still also be able to go run for miles at a time and always tweaking it. You know, I, I'm getting into this really high volume phase of training right now. And I was with my buddy Bijan and I was saying, man, I'm like hundred grams over all of my macros today and I'm still starving. And I communicated that to my coach and we kind of bumped some of those numbers up to accommodate for that high volume of training. And I think it is important as a high level athlete to have some guidance where somebody can analyze those feelings for you and put it into tangible changes that you can make in your training.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can agree more with you. Obviously for for the career path that I chose. Um, are you comfortable sharing your macros?
1: Totally. Yeah. So I came into working with a coach kind of with these like general numbers that my training coach Max Elhaj and I had come up with ourselves and that was about At first, like 350 to 400 grams of carbs, uh, about 100 grams of fat, and close to 200 grams of protein were just these general numbers that we said, hey, let's try this out and see how that feels and how you perform on those. And I I felt like I was performing well, but I I could continue to bump up my carbs. And it seemed like no matter how much I bumped those carbs up, I wasn't seeing a negative increase in... um, like weight gain or anything by eating more, and my performance wasn't really changing much. So I thought, all right, well, if I'm still training and performing the same amount, but intaking more and more food and nothing's changing, maybe I needed that fuel. Maybe I was under fueling myself before. And Kate said, yeah, actually, our like baseline carb macro for our competitive male athletes is 500 grams. So you're well below that. Let's try to get you up to 500 grams a day of carbs feeling normal for you. Keep the other numbers the same, maybe shift that protein down a little bit. If you're not trying to put on any size, keep the fat right where it's at. And, and that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. So I'll try to get 500 grams of carbs per day, which some days is super easy for me to do. Some days is a little more difficult to do based on how much attention I pay to it throughout the day. Um, and then the protein and the fat, those kind of Seem to fall in tow naturally with that 500 grams of carbs.
0: Yeah, I couldn't appreciate more, for you sharing that too, because I think there's a lot of people within the space um, that I see are, are completely trying to push performance and do really well. And you know, for for dudes, they're eating you know less than 2, 2,400 calories, or for ladies, it's under like 1,600 or 1,700 calories. It's just not enough if you're also trying to maximize performance. So. Um, you know, we don't, they don't have to eat 500 grams of carbs like yourself, but there has to be kind of a happy medium in between. One of the things I wanted to ask you too, because you mentioned, you know, training is picking up and you mentioned, I think you said you did three, three hour sessions per day. Is that right? That's
1: about what it, it equates to at this point. Maybe some of them are closer to one and a half to two hours, depending on what it is. But I would say in total, I'm in the gym anywhere from, five to eight hours a day training
0: yeah and so when you're looking at that too like in 500 grams of carbs if for those people who haven't tracked it before it's a lot of food and if you're just trying to get it in just food it's probably probably impossible if not it's going to cause a lot of GI distress for you too right so
1: talk to me about
0: how you balance that in terms of like you know you you don't want to just eat donuts and you know just have just drink every single calorie but at the same time, like you, you can't just you can't eat just broccoli and chicken breast all day because there's no way you're gonna get enough food and enough energy to meet your performance needs. So, how do you balance that?
1: A hundred percent. That was a big change for me. I had a, uh, I had primarily always eaten food and hadn't really dabbled too much into supplements. I'd have your typical protein shake here and there. I tried uh, creatine once or twice, but had never really dove into the liquid carb thing. And that when I started working with a coach and deciding I needed to bump my carbs up, I found the same thing that you just said, like, man, this is really hard to get this many carbs in from fruit. And I mean, maybe a little bit of bread and rice here and there, but I need some help. And uh, so I started with some simple, just like a uh, cyclic dextrin carbohydrate and have incorporated that into my training now. So I'll do like 50 grams of carbs before and after i would say at least two of the three sessions that i do per day so i'm adding an additional 100 grams of carbs from as high quality carb powder as i can but at the end of the day it's still and you probably know more about this than i do it still kind of sometimes feels like man i'm just drinking this sugar water but i think there are those windows of times where it is appropriate and beneficial
0: yeah, absolutely, and there's and there's a lot to be said about the you know the stress r- stress response you can get uh, that can mitigate that stress response. Sorry, after having carbs post workout, which is going to help a lot. Um, so yeah, like I I know that's one thing that I've recommended for a lot of people who are trying to dabble in the performance realm of CrossFit is trying to have some high molecular carbohydrates post workout. Let's shift gears a little bit more mindset because this is kind of where. I find you the most interesting CrossFit athlete out there is because like you promote, wow, you promote a a really a really positive message for people that it doesn't matter if you're doing CrossFit, it doesn't matter if you're doing literally anything physically related. This happy but hungry hungry mantra um, is something that I I believe in significantly, seriously. So like tell me Thank about you, man, where yeah tell me about where it came from like did you just come up with it on the spot did you hear someone else say it like if you stole it I won't I won't accuse you of anything but like
1: it's been stolen once or twice I've not not in a serious way but I've seen a, a couple other like brands and uh people use that phrase I'm like hey wait a second I feel like I <laughs> kind of came up with that um but the way that that did happen was really naturally like had no intention of uh, needing a freeze or a mantra or anything and was just having a conversation with my coach. And he was talking about how one of his other athletes, <laughs> Travis Mayer, who's a buddy of mine, like really uses anger in his training and gets really <laughs> fired up to, to train and compete that way. And like proving people wrong and stuff and puts his headphones on and kind of gets in his own little world. And I'm kind of the opposite. I, I'm always like, goofing around, have a smile on my face, try to be really nice to people and in a training environment, I think Max was not used to that and he said it's funny that you seem like you're always this happy go lucky guy and I don't want that to impact your training. I don't want you to just be happy with where you are and I said I I don't think that I am because I haven't achieved the goals that I want to. I mean, I do love what I'm doing and I do love what I've been able to achieve and what I get to do every day, but I'm still hungry to do more. And it kind of like hit me in that moment. I was like, wait a second, I'm happy, but I'm hungry. And I think that that was a cool way to, to describe the way that I was feeling like, yes, I can appreciate the things that I've accomplished. And I love that I get to train every day. And I love the influence that I'm able to have positively on people, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm content and just sitting back enjoying what I have now. Cause I am still in the gym grinding and I am still hungry to try to be the fittest man on earth. So, yeah, I'm happy, but I'm hungry. I feel like you're right that that can carry over into other aspects of life, which is pretty cool the way it happens.
0: Yeah, because that's the way I mean, I I use it a lot of times with clients during coaching, too. Because, like, you know, when you're you're talking about it in that realm, um, there's been so much said over the last couple of years about, you know, self-acceptance of whether that's body image or just kind of where you're at in life. Um, And I think a lot of people confuse that with just forfeiting their effort to push for more um, and just being like, you know, like this is, I should just be happy with my body and you know what, you should be really happy with your body. But that doesn't mean that you should also not be, you know, hungry for for more change and, and more improvement. You can always be improving even if you're not unhappy with your current state of life. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree exactly. more. That's that's I definitely use that mantra a lot for talking to people. How do you, how do you, I guess, continue to promote that to people? And like, do you talk to, to fans and other people as well about that idea uh, and, and mindset? Because I, I know like, to me, it seems like you're one of the the more positive athletes when we talk about like that being happy-go-lucky person. But at the same time, when the when the the buzzer goes three, two, one, you're going out like a bat out of hell too, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is a tough transition sometimes because back in the day when I was competing, I would work myself up a little, like almost "quote unquote" too much. Um, <clears throat> I would get too serious in the back, and I would try to like channel that that anger and be able to use that, even though it wasn't me. It was kind of against my nature, and I feel like when I would do that, it would kind of uh, be counterproductive and almost backfire on me. And I would like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'd get out on the floor and like kind of panic. And if one little thing went wrong, then I would freak out. And I felt like I was just too hyper aware. And uh, when I learned finally, I, I specifically remember one regional workout, stepping out on the floor and just like smiling and looking around and embracing all these people that were cheering us on were there to watch us do this cool thing that was a big shift for me. And I was like, whoa, if I smile and enjoy this, and the harder I work, the the more cheers I'm going to get. And the more I'm going to be able to smile at the end of it, it kind of, it was just uh, like a synergistic thing that really worked for me to try to enjoy working hard. And actually, that reminds me, I have a, a quote from Max that I'm going to pull up on my phone right now. It's not 100% related, but it was one situation that I got into where uh, we decided that I had to work a lot on aerobic capacity kind of mixed with power movements. So like being able to do workouts where you run and then do a heavy lift or wall balls where you do this high power output thing and then go back into this uh, very endurance-based movement. And that was very difficult for me in training. And Max wrote, I have this quote here, it will be a bit of a fight and struggle like everything else, but don't try to be happy doing it instead try to be happy in the difficult pursuit of progress i think if you can successfully change your perception of your feelings of the discomfort it will help aid in your progress instead of bringing negative emotions, negative emotional baggage into those sessions and events and so that was kind of cool like even if i don't enjoy what i'm doing like i used to like lo- i would only enjoy the events that i enjoyed and if it was something that i wasn't enjoying i'd be like oh i didn't like that that I can't find my way to be comfortable and happy in those moments. He said, "All right, well, don't try to find that. Just be happy with the fact that you are struggling and pushing through it and striving to get better." So that was kind of a cool thing to be able to utilize and pull from as well.
0: Yeah, that's so true too. Because like there are so many people that are trying to be happy, and Max more or less just said, "You know, stop trying. Just be happy." Um, yeah. When it comes when it comes to that, taking it forward from where we are, are you happy? even now you know having missed your qualification from the from the open anyways how do you still be happy and hungry for that because i know you know like you and then take that forward into what what uh sanctionals you're going to be doing in may
1: yeah i think it's a really easy choice i could be frustrated and disappointed and give up and talk about all the reasons why this new format sucks and I just think that that's not productive and I'd rather make the choice to
0: totally. move
1: onward and upward and decide that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this situation as it comes and go with the flow and make it happen either way. I, I just don't see any point in looking back. I'd rather be productive moving forward. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and kind of answering your question, I decided that I'm just going to keep chasing it. Even if I got a, travel around the world to do so i want to make it happen and it's important enough for me to do so so at the end of this month i'll be competing in italy and lined up a couple others after that i'll be going to rogue in ohio and then the end of may i'll either be going to france or minnesota
0: <laughs> yeah those are like they all sound like awesome experiences and like were, were you planning on doing any sanctionals if you would have qualified
1: honestly, not really. And kind of speaking to what you just said, I think that it's almost going to make it more rewarding at the end of the season to be like, this was tough. And I had to go chase down a spot, but the experience of it was awesome. And being able to say that I pulled it off, even though it was not easy, is going to feel even better than if I had just qualified at Wadapalooza and said, all right, I get to chill. I mean, not chill, but like, train hard the rest of the year and go to the games. Um, I think there, there's more of a story to be told here, the way that it's been going for me so far.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said about the learning experiences of having missed through the Open, um, through, a, through, miss, through a tough workout like 19.1, or what you might even learn in Italy or Ohio or Minnesota or <laughs> France. Like, all those places can present plenty of different learning opportunities for you. I want to respect your time, so I only have a couple more questions. Um, cool. For you, what's life after CrossFit? Because I know you have, I think you have a, you know, a, some sort of a physical educational degree, if you will. Um, I do. But what is, yeah, what does life look like after CrossFit for you? That's a good question.
1: And yeah, no, it's, it's hopefully still a a handful of years off and uh, I'm going to try to extend my professional career as long as I can, because I really do love doing it and to be candid and honest, I don't think a lot of people would admit this, but it is difficult. Every year that you don't achieve a goal, your your mind wants to take you to a place where you reassess. And so I've had the the end of the game sometimes where I'm like, man, I don't know if I do want to do this anymore. I keep busting my ass every year and I, I still haven't been able to reach this goal of winning the games. How much longer do I want to keep going through that that struggle physically and mentally and emotionally? And Every year after uh, a little bit of time of reflection, I've decided that I do want to continue chasing that goal because it's important to me and I I enjoy doing it. And honestly, there's no real reason that I should stop. If I were to stop now, it would just be because I kind of gave up. And uh, I don't want to live with that. So I'm still chasing it and getting after it. Um, But to answer your question, post-CrossFit, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm developing some stuff now that hopefully will allow me to walk right into it. Um, stuff in the, the business world, my manager and I work together. He represents athletes and other professional sports. Um, I'm trying to kind of build and grow my brand. And I don't know what that looks like right now. Right now I'm really, really enjoying being able to have a positive influence on people and using my platform to do good and inspire people and, Make them happy, and I don't know how I could turn that into something, but I would love that if I could spread the message of uh, love and kindness and happiness. That would be really cool and uh, fulfilling. I would imagine. Yeah, but we shall see, man. But something good, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I remember you mentioning in that podcast you wanted to do you you wanted to be a ten time Games athlete. And one of the things I think that you know you did you've done pretty well since since the CrossFit Games has changed the season is you're one of very few athletes who have, have built a brand around your name, which is what you really need to do, I mean, in my opinion, to make money in the sport, um, to make it a career for yourself, and, and to become more than just someone who makes money at events, because that stuff has a timetable on it, whereas you know, you know Noah Olson, the human being, is basically around for a lot more years than the competitor, right? So totally. that's kind of the last question I had. Is, you know, what is your legacy? I don't mean to be, I don't mean it to be morbid, but I find it as a very important question um, that I ask a lot of people is, you know, when it comes time that you, you know, you pass and you move on, how do you want to be remembered by the people that you've impacted over the years? What do you want the people to be saying about you um, when your time has passed?
1: Yeah, I think all of those things that I just said that uh, just, all positive things, someone that was able to influence them in a way that made them feel better about themselves, about their relationships and what they're doing with their lives. Um, Something that was really interesting for me to kind of process recently was, unfortunately, the passing of a really influential person in the CrossFit world, Becky Konzerman, this past week, and kind of going through all of the posts about people reflecting on her and how much she meant to them there was such little talk about her athletic achievements and accomplishments and so much talk around how much of a great person she was and how good she made them feel and how she was always kind and smiled and that's all the those are all the things that i remember her for as well and so i think that while i i do love striving to achieve all this greatness within the sport i think more so I would like to be remembered in that way by people because I feel like if you pass away and you were a, a badass athlete, but you didn't love on people and they didn't love you as much, people aren't gonna talk about you as much as they will if you are a really good
0: person. Absolutely, yeah, like. My condolences first off to you and everyone who else is, is still mourning uh, the loss of Becky for share within the community. Um, but you're, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like no one was rem- going to remember your accolades from, from a financial, a business, or even like a, an athletic perspective, but people will remember how you made them feel and the time that you gave them um, through each day. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people who follow you really respect you, including myself in terms of what you give fans, like you give fans the time of day, you don't, you don't shy away from that. And like, let's be honest in, in the middle of the, in the middle of your season and a, in a potentially high stress period where you're still working on your qualification to basically your, your biggest moment of the year. Uh, you took like, you know, 40 some odd minutes to talk to some guy up in, in, uh, in Calgary, Alberta. So I appreciate your time, Noah. Um, let, everyone know who's listening to this podcast where they can find you if they don't already follow you already um and how to yeah how to keep following your journey as they get as you hopefully qualify for the crossfit games
1: yeah thank you and thank you
0: for the opportunity
1: to be able to share a little bit of my story and have some of that influence on people so if anybody does want to check in what i got going on i would say instagram is probably the most uh updated platform of all the ones that i have and My handle on there is at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. I also have a website that's just noaholson.com and a YouTube channel that I'm sure if you search my name would pop up and those are the places that you guys can keep up with me. So I appreciate all the support and uh, really enjoy chatting with you today.
0: All right, thank you so much. And he also left out one of the most important accounts to follow out of that, and that is the account of his dog, Max, Max Olsen. Big Max. Is it, is yep. it just at Maximus Olsen on Instagram?
1: It sure is. Yeah, you got it. Today's actually National Pet Day, so he deserves that follow today more than any other day.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Max will definitely appreciate any follows anyone wants to give out there. So thanks so much, Noah, for coming on, and, uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of your season.
1: Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it.